Hey, what it is. Welcome to the program, good sir or madam. Truly your forgiveness, I implore. Brian Francis Podcast, October 20th, 2018. The mandatory rains rolled in this morning, but seemingly are rolling out as the sun is poking through and it looks like a nice, crisp fall day. Love me some fall. Favorite season? Maybe. Maybe. I don't favorite I don't like saying favorite anything. Everything has its place. I'm an English teacher. People say, What's your favorite book? I don't know. The last one I read, probably. I don't live that way. Favorite. Because I'm not six years old. You just, you know, I'm organically always absorbing something new. One book goes in, one book gets pushed out of the bookshelf or movie or favorite food or what have. There are no favorites. I'm an adult. Welcome. Um, first of all, I want to welcome our first sponsor of the program. This show is brought to you by Integrity Wealth Management. They are a financial service that offers the following uh, services, portfolio management, retirement planning, financial planning, educational funding, estate planning, and trust services, life insurance, and wealth preservation. Preserve that wealth, people, with integrity wealth management. Contact them at 215-864-864. 3598 or www.integritywealthmanagement.com. MGMT. Management abbreviated to MGMT. Thank you for reaching out. Other things going on. Let's do some apologies here. Last week or the last podcast, I think I left people scratching their head perplexed in a misstatement. I used the wrong word, folks. After a funeral, what occurs often after the service is the viewing. I kept calling it the reception, which is a totally different deal. A, receptions are at their weddings, which I've learned now. B, I guess there are receptions, but that would show that you're very close to the family. The word I was looking for, and I knew I was saying the wrong word. A little little voice in the back of my brain is like, that's not it. And the bigger voice to just plow through with the word reception. They'll get the point, but they didn't. A lot of people said, you used the wrong word. It's not a reception. After a funeral is the viewing. So thank you for that correction. Always good to start with the apologies. Come clean right out loud. Someone said to me they listened to every episode of the podcast And I guess if you tally up the episode, I don't know, we're getting about like nine hours worth of time. I had no idea I had nine hours worth of philosophy in me. You might be thinking, well, you actually only had four hours and the rest feels like filler to me. That's okay. Nine hours. What what would that do to someone? If you were on a nine-hour 
car trip, plane ride, to just hear this uh, nasally uh, voice over and over and over again. It's got to do bad things. But I was very grateful to this person. I feel like this person should win a t-shirt of some kind. If you are a listener that has listened to all episodes, uh, you need a free t-shirt. I've always been happy whenever I've won a t-shirt. It's always like, yes, t-shirt. I'm rocking a coffee from the Bagel Barrel in Doylestown. Going a little mom and pop today. Here's the thing about a good coffee shop, which the Bagel Barrel is. They don't serve the coffee scalding hot. They serve it to you ready to go. In a cardboard cup that has a little soft fuzz around it, so it's more gentle on the hands. Or the best coffee shops use actual china silverware. So uh, this coffee was very good. Almost finished now. I was thinking about my two groups of friends. They break down along these lines. I've got sports guys and I've got music guys. Lucy Lou. Lucy not amused with someone walking by. Sports guys and music guys. And sports guys generally don't acknowledge the concept of music. And music guys tend to loathe sports. I consider myself an evolved individual to the point where both forms of entertainment can coexist in my world. Yes, I can follow the Eagles, but I can also have enough brain space to enjoy a Led Zeppelin jam. Do you see how that works? It's not a zero-sum game. Is that the right phrase? You don't have to choose one or the other. Gun to my head, what would I choose, sports or music? I would ask, why is there a gun to my head in the first place? I would try to disarm the person who had the gun. Because that's really a foolish reason to use firearms to solve questions. So I live in both worlds, but some of my friends do not. I know sports guys that just don't even understand music, don't even, like, why why does it exist? And music guys, again, are just you know, loathsome of any talk of sports. It's like hearing grating white noise, static. They're like, ah, turn it off. But I think both of these groups have had pretty big political wins recently, haven't they? My music guys, I was like, yo, man, imagine they make weed legal one day. I'd imagine, and bam, now like marijuana is uh, legal in a ton of states and uh, and accessible uh, almost around the whole country these days. So a big win for music guys. Sports guys, here was their dorm room fantasy. Yo, man, imagine like sports gambling was legal. Now, bam, now that's happened. You could always bet in, uh, on games in Vegas, but now Jersey has legalized sports gambling. And you know it's just a matter of time before it breaches Pennsylvania and the other states. And uh, look at that. Politics moves fast, doesn't it? Weed and sports betting, legal. I don't know if you can appreciate, if you're not out here in the third ring suburbs, to the extent men are gambling out here to the extent that thousands of dollars 
are um, moved back and forth each NFL Sunday. And a little Saturday college action, and maybe we'll throw some on the baseball game, and we'll even get a little little action on the Sixers the other night. This is not me. This is just uh, this is just observations, folks. And this is something I've observed for years now that so the whole workforce would be so much more productive were it not for fantasy football. Uh, I would say that uh, a good portion of the male brain, I'd say 98%, is dedicated at this point, if you're in your uh, 40s, is dedicated to uh, fantasy football and what your running backs are going to do this week. Now, I've played fantasy football. Uh, I played from the years maybe 1993 uh, when you had to tally it up using an actual newspaper and a calculator. Maybe I got out the game around the early 2000s. Um, and I realized that uh, I'm pretty pathetic at fantasy football. Here's the thing. I don't – the most I knew about football was like 1994. That marked my high watermark for football knowledge. And um, – and so even were I to play now and towards, towards the late uh, 90s and into 2000, I would still draft as if the year was 1994. And I distinctly remember a couple chuckles at some of my picks. And I one time I traded Eddie George, which was deemed such a foolish move that other people in the league thought that I was in cahoots with another player. Because the trade was so ill-advised. They thought no one in their right mind would trade Eddie George. But I did. I did. And then I lost to uh, one of my friend's wives, which that's not a sexist comment. It's just a statement of fact. And uh, I was, uh, you know, mercilessly uh, harassed for that. Again, this was a different time. Uh, and again, uh, people thought I was in cahoots, purposely tanking. But I was giving it my all, folks. But that's the thing about knowledge. Like, if you're not actively playing fantasy football, like, you don't really need to know these things. I feel like I'm, I'm less smart than I used to be. I feel like I know less stuff now than like a decade ago. Ten years ago, I could clean up on Jeopardy. Single de- Jeopardy. I would, I would wager to say I would get 90% of the questions correct. Double Jeopardy, maybe it would bump down to 73% of the questions. Still, pretty nice odds. One would think that as you grow and mature and learn more things, you would simply be more knowledgeable. But I feel like that's not the case. I feel like the fact that Ponce de Leon doesn't come up in my everyday life, that knowing trivia about him isn't relevant to my survival as a species, this trivia becomes that, trivial. And it just starts to uh, disappear due to lack of a need for it. I have so much useless trivia. But it wouldn't help me survive if I was plunked in the desert and had to survive for three days. I would know something about 18th century poets, but you know what? The same with fantasy football. 
it started to go away. But but that was for me. This this fantasy football is still huge. Oh, uh, some of my sports guys, I'll sit down and uh, we'll hang out, meet up at a bar or something. The first thing that happens, the first five minutes of all of us getting together, is a giant exchange of money. Hundreds go here, you know, fifties go there. Back and forth, this sort of scrum of money getting exchanged for fantasy football or some side bets, some side action because waiting once a week to get a little action, I guess isn't entertaining enough. What is it about gambling? I've never, the vice has never grabbed me. Are we so desperate to feel alive? In our numb suburban lives that we feel alive when we've got a hundred bucks riding on Ohio State. Is that what we seek to feel? I bet on football twice, both in high school. I won one and uh, I remember it was the Oakland Raiders. Uh, were they in Oakland or LA at this point? I think they were in Oakland. I won uh, with the Raiders. I took them again the following week. I lost and then I walked away. Perfect um, perfect gambling story. Had a taste, walked away. Restraint. Because I have a strong mind, folks. I'm not weak. So anyway, sports gambling is legal. Now I feel like I should try it. But where do you find the time to learn about tight ends? A friend was telling me that his friend was very into gambling. And if you know football spreads, the spreads that the bookies come up with or the Vegas line is generally pretty accurate. That these bookmakers know, you know with a good percentage of accuracy how close these games are going to be. But my friend's buddy who was doing okay betting football, was looking for a different angle, a different windfall of cash, which is what all gamblers do, right? How can I game the system? How can I find a loophole that will make me fabulously wealthy? I remember one guy one time was telling me about he found a loophole in blackjack and he just, and I do this and I double down and then I never double down twice. And then if it's a nine, I do, and this giant system, he's like, it's foolproof, man. I cannot lose using this system. I said, why are you not a millionaire then? Why, why are you with me in this dive bar telling me this story? He said, oh man, I can't get a ride to Atlantic City. He couldn't get a ride to the casino. But if he could get a ride... He would bring down the house. So this other buddy was betting football, and uh, he thought the lines were just too difficult to uh, decide. So he became completely invested and infatuated with the WNBA, the Women's Basketball League, studying the games, watching it uh, with unbelievable enthusiasm because what he ascertained was – The lines are all wrong in the WNBA. They're completely screwy. The Vegas odds makers are not really paying attention to the WNBA. They're putting their worst guys on the case. So this guy would 
bet significant amounts of money on WNBA teams. And if he were in a sports bar and the Eagles were on, he would demand that DeBar tend to turn on the WNBA game instead. And as the story goes, he cleaned up betting WNBA. But maybe that league went out of business now. I don't know if they're still around. So maybe he was on the road to becoming a millionaire. And that maybe he, he single-handedly bankrupt the league. I don't know. I just like the idea of him studying late into the night rosters of WNBA teams. Good for him. I like people that can find a loophole in something. Like I always felt that it's unfair that if you can count cards and, and beat the, the dealer that you get thrown out of a casino. It's like, yo, I figured out your game. It's on you to make your game more difficult. You can't uh, handicap my brain. That ain't right. I beat your game. So we'll see. I don't want to alienate people that aren't in the sports. Sometimes people are like, all right, enough already. I will say this. Though. I was in New York City uh, two weeks ago and saw all uh, about six or seven dudes all dressed up in Cowboys attire. I don't know if the Cowboys were playing the Giants, but you could sense that they were standing there in uh, center of Manhattan like, <laughs> we're in our Cowboy gear. Go ahead. Say something to us. We know we're in enemy territory, but we're all geared up wearing our Cowboy stuff. And New Yorkers just walked by them, completely ignored them. There is no... They didn't care. They don't care. <laughs> you know, not everyone is ready to engage you in, in football. People in New York, most of them, you know, don't. The NFL is not their big priority. I love New York. You, you take the train up, you get, you emerge from Penn Station, and you look around, and it's exciting, and someone shoves you in the back, and it's just like, it's on. It's on. Such a fun energy to that town. With football, though, Eagles won last week. They had their best game of the season, and I think it was because their uh, head coach, Doug Peterson, wore his glasses. I feel like it was the first time this season in which he wore his glasses, and they won uh, in tremendous fashion. Just wear your glasses, Doug. See him on the sidelines with his, uh, with his glasses on. Wear your glasses. You're not a dork. No one thinks you're a dork. Wear your glasses so you can see the game so you can coach better. I feel like that was always the Eagles coach in the 80s, Dick Vermeil's issue. He could never see the game. He was always squinting on the side. Who's in? Who has the ball? Oh, we're on defense. Okay, here's what we're going to do. It's like, dude, just wear your glasses. He took the Eagles to the Super Bowl and they lost. And then he got a pair of glasses, and he took the Rams to the Super Bowl, and they won because he had his glasses on. Wear your glasses. But you know a lot of these coaches were probably merciless bullies in high school, right? So they equate glasses, dork. <clears throat> so I hope Doug wear, continues to wear his glasses for the rest of the season because I want a winning season. Just wear your glasses, folks. Um, well, what else is going on? It's election season. I saw some 
billboards and some negative ads on TV and stuff. One was in Bucks County. It said, Silver Spoon, Scott Wallace. And had a little picture of a spoon. Oh, <laughs> Silver Spoon, Scott Wallace. Man, some of these ads get nasty. If I won, I would keep running the ads after the election. What's up, Silver Spoon, Scott? Why does he keep running that? He already won. Because I would want to psychologically crush my opponent. I'd like to run for school board, maybe. I don't know if I can as a teacher. I feel like that uh, that role would not be open to me. I would get uh, Russian hackers involved in a local school-level election. I think I would I would do that. Just tons of Russian hackers. I might even spend, you know, one point three million on the camp my campaign. And this would be for a uh, a slot that would be uncontested. That I could just fill out a piece of paperwork for free at the library and get my school board spot. But I would still go ahead and uh, put one point. million into my campaign. I would come out with a victory, but just crushing debt. It would be worth it. I would do a slash and burn campaign. I would just burn everyone to the ground till nothing stood. It would be Sherman's march through the South, just burning everything. War is hell. I cannot get used to waking up in the morning. 17 years at this job, every single morning, it's like, oh my goodness, this feels early. Is this, does anyone else seem like it's too early? When will my body adjust to this? I would figure 17 years in, but still, that alarm clock's a shock. And then you get in a little bit of a rut in the commuting thing. You ever pull behind the same car during your morning commute? You see the same bumper sticker? It gets a little bit like Groundhog's Day, doesn't it? And I mean the movie. I mean the movie for that. Then I get to work. People are like, people say sometimes they don't like to go to the bathroom at work. They're like, no, I don't go. I, they're, I don't know what it is, shamed, embarrassed, or what? I only go to the bathroom at work. Proud union man. I go to the bathroom on the clock. I'm not going to go to the bathroom at home. That's a filthy, filthy scatological joke, folks. Here's the thing about the burbs. Your friends, your sports guy friends, your music guy friends, you hard, you'll pretty much hardly see them anymore. And you're... The people you end up hanging out with are the parents of your kids' friends that that you may or may not have anything in common with. Uh, There was no selection process for these new friends. There was no resume. There was no um, sort of, hey, do we have any commonalities? It's just you two are randomly in a room waiting for gymnastics class to end, and this is your new friend. And this will be your new friend for the next decade as you stand on the sidelines of a soccer game. As you await for the piano recital to finish. 
clutching your flowers in your hand. This is your new friend, your new dad friend. As you go to the father-daughter dance and linger on the fringes of the gym, this is your new friend. And that's how it works in the world of childhood and suburbia. And, what, and you know, it's hard to start friendships at 42. Um, you, uh, you like sports? <laughs> like where, do you, where do you begin? I don't know. I got a spam mail from a friend that passed away like a year and a half ago. And her account uh, continues to send me things. It's very eerie. And, you know, when I first saw her name in my inbox, I was like, whoa, like, does this person want to get together for, for lunch? And then I remembered. I was like, oh, man. It's, it's weird, this modern world. Like, when you pass away, your digital footprint remains. That your life kind of continues to spiral outward into the ether of the internet. And like there's a record of your last thoughts. Maybe on Facebook. Maybe you posted a thing about a cat sitting in a little teacup. And that's and I think like that, that was the last thing you said. That was your last message to the world. Because it's eerie how you can sort of backtrack from the moment this person has left us. I would hope mine would be some sort of profound post, but they never are. Because you never know, unless it's some sort of long illness. But when someone is taken like that, sometimes it's just some inane post. It's insignificant. And yet, now it swells in significance because that's the last message the person had. Strange death in Facebook. Spam mail from people that are deceased. And an ongoing effort to uh, play the game. Brian talks to Uber drivers. Um, just heading home the other night, and uh, Uber driver, I gave the line. I said, what's your passion? He said, my passion, this was an elderly uh, gentleman making a little cash at night. First of all, I thought, should you be driving at night? He said, I love reading books, and uh, he loves Moby Dick, he's read all of Melville. And uh, and again, I uh, as an English teacher, I was like, hmm. I didn't really feel, I told him, uh, yeah, yeah, I also like books, but it's weird. It's like, uh, I, I don't really feel like talking about books that much, even though that's my gig. It's, uh, I don't read them to say, hey, I, uh, I know this. I feel like some people read books as artillery for the next political discourse. I read this piece in this thing, and it says, I read to like forget, to not know stuff. I don't know. That doesn't make any sense. So I should not have even mentioned it, but I'll just say that What's Your Passion kind of bombed the other night. It, it's not a 100% uh, sort of experiment. It was a bit of a bomb. <laughs> Did you win the, the, the Mega Millions last night? You didn't. I know you didn't because they just said nobody won. So now we got to do it again. And, you know, you got to play the work pool, too. Uh, and I play the work pool for uh, for defense. Like, if I don't put in for this lottery uh, pool at work and everyone else wins, I'll be the one guy showing up to work on Monday. And that can't be. 
who would I talk to? So I have to play just because I can't be the one on the outside looking in. It's weird, though. They say suicide rates among lottery winners are much higher than the national average. There's also this theory that one's emotions are more or less fixed. I believe it's called the hedonic adaption. Treadmill, I've even heard it used. The idea being that if you win $1 billion or if you lose your hand in a bandsaw accident, in about six months, your personality is more or less going to go back to normal. Your level of contentment with the world will more or less settle back to where it was. That example feels a little extreme, but I don't know. Maybe there's something to it. It's like this idea of wherever you go, there you are. We should move to the mountains. We should move down the shore. We should move to Europe. We should move, you know, and it's at the end of the day, it's just me and my big dumb brain in a different locale. But I'm not escaping this thing. It's still the same litany of thoughts no matter where you put me. But in that scenario, I, I think I'll try my luck with the billion dollars as opposed to losing the hand. I feel like I would be the person to disprove this theory. I would enjoy the money, as would you. I would put it all on the Tennessee Titans, given four. What if you made a $1 billion bet? I want $1 billion on the WNBA team. I, I can't even think of a name. Uh, how much? A billion on, on the WNBA. I'm going to place that bet. Would they pay out? I don't know. We'll see. Um, all right. I think that's about it. Um, got some ideas, but also feel like this is a hobby that, like all my hobbies, that is seasonal. And now I feel the season shifting. The podcast began when the weather broke and became warm. And now the weather is breaking again, and it's quite chilly out there today. And it almost feels like a natural break point right now. We'll see. I'm not saying I'm hanging up the microphone yet. But if you don't hear from me again, you'll know that my interests have started to shift into something else, new season. I like to set short-term seasonal goals. I don't say this is my lifelong dream, this one thing. I have goals that range from three to five months in length. And then I recalibrate. And so this might be a natural break point. Uh, my apologies to my first sponsor. Hey, you're on the first and last show. Uh, or maybe not. Maybe there will be some holiday episodes, some holiday specials. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. As always, no master plan. But hey, thanks for listening. Comments, questions, complaints, Brian Francis podcast at outlook.com. Have a wonderful day. We'll talk to you, or maybe we won't, next time.
later.